The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our DC. Good morning, Boston. What's happening? By the way, that music you hear is a band called Dave, you left your email notification on again. You may not have heard of them, but they're really great. Big uh, on the West Coast, San Francisco. No, that's actually a band called As a People that my brother Adam was the lead singer for. And so in the interest of not violating copyright law, um, I decided to use that for the show intro. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. I'm about to introduce you to my guest, Masa Kambabi, who's an immigration attorney extraordinaire and a wicked cool person. But I just want to remind you that you're listening to the Boston Podcast, which is the city's only independent Monday through Friday weekly podcast every day. I'm getting tired, people. Every once in a while, click like on the podcast and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend about it, or I'm going to die in a fiery ball of shame and bitterness. As you can tell, I'm already on the way, but this is the Boston Podcast, all past episodes of pod617.com. Visit that website to find out how you can produce a podcast of your own. Wouldn't that be cool? It's all about storytelling, and as we know, as a great man once said, There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. So let's talk. Masa, you're not a Game of Thrones fan, so you didn't uh, catch that, I guess. No, but the voice does sound familiar. I've heard my husband watching the show. That is um, the great Peter Dinklage, who is great in every way except actual height. So you might you might know he's a, the diminutive sort. He's a I want to be politically correct. He's a little person, I guess. Is that what is that correct? I don't know. I don't know. In the in, well, in the show, he calls himself an imp. So <clears throat> I wouldn't want to do that. But uh, he's he's excellent. Anyway, I digress, and rather badly, as a matter of fact. So, Masa, welcome to the show. Let me give you another proper introduction. Masa Kambabi. Um, she has an immigration law practice called Kambabi Immigration Law. Your office is in Houston? Yes. Okay, right sort of in our neck of the woods. I'm a Sharon guy, as we've talked about many times. And whereabouts in Easton, by the way? So there's a fantastic restaurant called The Farmer's Daughter right on Main Street. Yes, I've been there many times. Very good Bloody Marys, by the way. Yeah, so we're right across the street, so stop by after you have your next Bloody Mary. I I do. I just need a lot of time to finish the big slab of bacon that it comes with, right? Um, So as an immigration lawyer, you are at the fulcrum of societal uh, chaos and unrest and... Uh, intrigue because this is the time, and we were just joking before we started recording, Masa and I have participated in uh, networking groups going back probably like four years now, something like that. Um, I remember the chapter of my networking group was embroiled in controversy because we stole you from a different chapter of the networking group. (laughs) (laughs) I think they still hold that against you. (laughs) They probably do. They probably do. But it it was worth it because um, to get Masa in our group because she's just an awesome like networker in person in addition to being such a good immigration lawyer. And, you know, there aren't aren't that many 
immigration lawyers generally speak as a, as a, compared to the population of lawyers, right? I mean, it's um, yes. I mean, what percent? Like, we're talking like five percent of lawyers might be immigration lawyers, or not even. And that's probably pretty accurate. That's probably it. Yeah, and so. Surprisingly, in Massachusetts, we have over 750 members subscribed to our Immigration Bar Association. But, yeah, still far and few between compared to all the lawyers in the state. And it's because it's such a particular, it's a distinct uh, area of law that you really have to get versed in, right? There, I, I imagine there aren't a lot of lawyers that do, you know, a little bit of immigration, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Is that right? Sadly, there are. Those oh, there are. dabblers, yes. We, we don't like the dabblers. We try to persuade them, please, <laughs> just specialize in immigration. And within immigration law itself, many of us specialize. So, for example, I don't do de- deportation or removal work because that area is a whole complex area within itself. Right, right. So, okay, so dabblers, stop dabbling. You heard her, all right? Um, and it's, there's so much to know. I mean, that's, that, I didn't even know that, that uh, or maybe I did, but that you focus on a, a certain area of it. And it's just, it's all federal law, right? Or is it? Right, correct. It's all federal law. And it's, why is it so complicated? It's very regulation-based. It's very policy memo-based. And uh, these days, obviously, it's changing weekly, <laughs> Right. Yeah. And it's such a weird and somewhat scary time. So you and I were just, just kind of talking about this. How has the world, in your eyes, from where you sit, because you live it, how has the world changed? In And you hate to blame one person, but uh, let's start with the president. Um, I mean, let's face it. Let, I mean, immigration's always been somewhat of a hot button. And we're reminded that you know, Obama kind of had what some would describe ups and downs with immigration law. And to me, it's just so tricky because it, it, it it's hard to extract the notion of whether we're going to allow certain people in our country and certain we won't with the idea that we just don't like you because you're a uh, a different color and from a different place. And from a shithole country. From a shithole country, as <laughs> as an elected official once said. Right. And so and so uh, tell me from where you sit, how has the world changed in the last well, I guess we're saying, you know, about, you know, four or five years. No, yeah, I mean really sadly, tragically I think it's changed in so many ways. Uh, from people feeling less welcome here. Uh, to people choosing not even to move to the United States and they'd rather go to another country like Canada or the UK or Australia. And, um, I mean, America's always had this love-hate relationship with immigration, I mean, for, for hundreds of years. But, you know, we've always come to terms with it and realize that it's something beneficial to our country, that we're bringing hardworking people to here. We're helping people that really want to do something better for themselves and for their families, uh, who maybe who are highly educated or very skilled. And this time, though, it, seem, it seems different. It seems much more um, sinister yeah. uh, and, and, and harmful to, to so many families. It's grounded in, in, well, I'll go there, grounded in bigotry in, in some senses, grounded mm-hmm. in xenophobia, right? Right. It's a great word. It's uh, one of my favorite words that begins with the letter X. Uh, and so you know, what you said definitely rings true. And it's scary because you like to think that we are headed in the right direction. You like to think that the country stands for something. And I'm not an historian, but I'm pretty sure it says on the Statue of Liberty, bring us your tired, your weak. Your <laughs> and I'm pretty sure what gets me is um, people forget that they 
we all came from someplace else. Yes. So tell us, tell our listening audience where you come from. So my family actually immigrated here from Iran. Mm-hmm. I was a baby. It was in the very early 70s before the revolution in Iran. And my dad was uh, coming here for his medical residency training, came mm-hmm. to Massachusetts, and really been here since then. Um, but we grew up in a small town called Ware in western Massachusetts, sure. where my dad was a physician at a small community hospital that just so happened to have many other physicians from other countries. So we had our own wonderful mini United Nations there. Isn't that cool? Now, that must have been delicate, though, for your family in the late 70s, early 80s with the Iran uh, hostage crisis? Yeah, being a dark-haired girl (laughs) in a mostly Polish immigrant town had its challenges with people kind of thinking the worst of Iranians at that time. But... Um, luckily, the the community was pretty welcoming, especially considering what um, my dad was doing at the hospital, because it was really hard to attract American doctors to that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us how you deal with uh, a typical client. We're we're picturing people coming in, and um, you know us stupid people who get all of our uh, lessons from movies and TV. I'm picturing that little um, makeshift camp they had in the movie Scarface where all the people came over, all the Cubans came over, and they kind of locked them up there and then one by one had to decide whether they were allowed to stay in the country. I'm sure it's not, all your clients are not, uh, as they say, fresh off the boat like that. But tell us how you deal with a typical client. Yeah, so, I mean, most of my clients are professionals, uh, particularly in the healthcare field. So, again, doctors going and working in underserved areas or architects or engineers, you know, filling jobs where American companies are having a hard time uh, finding Americans for that position. And so I'll work with them to find out what's the best visa category, help them with all the paperwork to apply for their work visa. Eventually, then they'll apply for a green card and eventually citizenship. So I, I know my clients for many, many years. It's a pleasure to get to know them over this period of time. And where do they where do they come from? Like, what's the breakdown? Uh, they're really all over the world. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. we have a lot of um, people from the Middle East for the physicians and scientists coming to top hospitals and, and universities in this area, to people from different parts of Europe and Africa, from the islands to go to the Cape over the summer. Mm-hmm. So really a wide range. I can't say that there is one particular uh, group of people that I work with the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so while we were talking about this and talking about... Um, xenophobia and whatnot and kind of what our our country's feelings about people who come from elsewhere. I was reminded of this. This was a Nike ad from in connection with Major League Baseball from my eyes are bad. What year does that say, Masa? 2001. Uh, 2001. 2001. So uh, you might remember this ad. Let's take a quick listen to it. 2001. So it's a nice ad, right? Very nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so obviously you had players from, all, they even had a French guy in there, which was kind of cool. <laughs> French Canadian, I guess. Yeah. So um, the reason I bring that up is because I have this memory of when that ad ran, people were upset. And it's like, what is there to be upset about? And people were saying, 
the national anthem is sung in English. That is the official language of the United States. And when you come here, you speak English. And I, and I like people on social media that I knew and up to that moment respected, you know, mm-hmm. had had that. Um, I mean, does that kind of thing piss it, you off? Yeah. I mean, sadly, immigration has been made into this very divisive political issue when it really never w- should have been or was. Uh, it's really about uh, what our society stands for and how we were a nation built by immigrants for immigrants and that... Um, everyone that comes here basically is an American. And while you might come from a different country and have a different culture or a food or a religion or speak another language, we all want the same thing, which is to, to be good, hardworking people, to help our neighbors um, and to, to be a community. And, and so that's, what it, to me, what it means to be an American. Yeah, I mean, precise, precisely. And, in, in um, you know, it occurs to me that... Um, there's just this this side of people that, you know, um, leave me alone, stay out, you know, and you, you live here, you're raised in the United States, and you just think that um, things should say, stay static. And the history of our country has been so different. By the way, I need to correct myself. I'll do an early fact check here. Because the ad that I was actually thinking about wasn't that ad at all. It was a different <laughs> one. It was, and I'm going to try to find it now. It was a Coke ad. I think it was a Coke ad. Um, and... People were singing America the Beautiful, and they changed it uh, to different languages. And so I bet you I can find it. I'm a really good Googler. Let's see. Um, yeah, this might be it right here from 2014. So here we go. Now we're talking. That one's even better, right? Mm-hmm. I actually got the chills a little bit there. Now what? Yeah, now right? Good on you, Coca Cola. That's the ad that spurned controversy, and it was like. And the funniest part was some people were saying, "The national anthem is meant to be sung in English," and it was like, "Hey, genius! That wasn't the national anthem." <laughs> <laughs> if you're such a proud American, figure out what a national anthem is. And I remember the other part being, you know, the official language of the country is English, which. At, at least at the time, was not. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 I'm, I'm fairly certain that our country does not have an official language. Right, right. Anyway. And, and why would that even really have to be what America stands for, right? I don't think mm-hmm. that, that's what we're proud of, is that, oh, everyone can you know speaks English. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, and, and then it, it leads to this sad picture of Americans as ugly. And when we travel mm-hmm. to other countries, and I was traveling with the 
Um, she'll hate me. My former uh, mother-in-law. Well, who am I kidding? She doesn't listen to my show. My my ex uh, mother-in-law, uh, Rita. Love you wherever you are. But it was just kind of funny because she had this moment where me and my brother-in-law were in. Let's see, where were we? We were in Italy somewhere, and and we were going up to the the to buy a train ticket and trying to see if they spoke English and trying to be polite about it. And she comes flying up behind us and says, "Is this the train to Bologna?" And it's like it's like all right, come come on, let, let let's. We're guests in this country, and um, and it's hard. Like when you hear people like beef over an ad like mm. that. Anyway, we have more to talk about with uh, Masa. We're going to talk about the travel ban. We're going to uh, talk about this uh, cool why why Masa was in no why you're going to Beirut why yes. you're going to Beirut this year yes soon in a few weeks. All right. Well, we'll talk about a teaser. We're going to talk about why why she's going to Beirut, what that is all about. But let me take a minute here to take a break and tell you about a podcast, you, a different podcast you should be listening to in addition to this one. I'm sure you listen to all episodes of this podcast, but this one's called Are You Not Entertained? Featuring Eddie Nathanson of Red Pill Talent. All episodes appear on pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Eddie talks to some of the best experts in employer branding across the country. Companies need talent. Ed finds out how to stand out in this crowded field and attract the right people, but he also has a crazy amount of fun blasting you with pop culture from Spider-Man to Seinfeld. From Wait, hold on. From Spider-Man to... So, wait, hold on. From Spider-Man to Seinfeld. Thank you. From Tom Brady... All right, enough, Bobby McFerrin. From Tom Brady to Bobby Brady, from Terminator 2 to Tupac Shakur. Rest in peace, Tupac. Subscribe, share, and consume this delicious pod. Are you not entertained? At pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, in pod we trust. Anyway, so why are you going to Beirut? So there is a fantastic international organization known as Save the Children. We have a Boston chapter, and I'm an advisor to that committee. And we recently had a fundraiser and bought two mobile libraries, uh, two mm. vans that carry books all around to refugee camps in Lebanon uh, for the children there so that they can... T- Reminds can me of the bookmobile back in the day. Yes. Remember the bookmobile used to come to class? was always the happiest day. Ah, yeah. there you yeah. go. So yeah. we're going to bring that same happiness to children <laughs> in Lebanon uh, in the refugee camps. And so we'll be going there uh, to, to actually see the program uh, at work and to learn more about how we could uh, help those children. Is this kind of just like one thing that Save the Children does? Is yes. it Does it focus on literacy or just kind of a, a, Yeah, they any... have multiple different programs, actually, okay. and this is what the Boston chapter chose to focus oh, on this past year. Oh, cool. So how many of you go over there? So about six of us are going. How many... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, have you been to Beirut I before? I have not, no. It's been on my list of places to try to visit. I mean, is it? are, are you worried? Is there unrest in Beirut right now? Or, or, I don't know uh, if it's naiveness or yeah. just being used to having gone to Iran many times. I'm not worried, no. Right. I mean, maybe I should be, but no. It's a, from what I understand, it's an extremely safe country. Save the Children has a lot of systems in place to make sure that things go smoothly. Now, you're um, uh, obviously, you're... you're I'm sorry. I know your family's from Iran, but I'm not. I'm not always a great listener. Iran, will, will David. You, uh, Iran, Iran. See, there you go again. I'm not a good listener. Can't even pronounce the name of the country right. But I'm, I, my apologies. I missed this. You were born here. Is that no, right? No, I was. You were born, born in Iran. In, okay. Yeah. See, I, was, I told you I'm a lousy listener. No, I went through the whole green card process, citizenship process myself. So I think that's one of the reasons. why. And how I, old were you when you came? So I came when I was about seven months old. Oh, okay. So. But it took a long see, time. See, I was close. They okay. still lost our files back then, and they, you know, sometimes they do it now. They've gotten much better at it. 
And you've been back since then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we go regularly. I have a lot of family there. You do? Okay. How, and other places, you ever travel other places in the Middle East? Yeah. So right. I've been to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Kuwait. Um, India is not in the Middle East, but Asia. And um, mm-hmm. that's all I can think of right now. She likes to brag about all the places <laughs> she's, she's been, the, the fancy international immigration attorney. No, I'm jealous. So you never been to Israel? No. Would no, you go? I would. Yes, okay. I'd love to go. Yeah. Um, it reminded me because I've been eh, three times to Israel and it's an amazing place. I mean, it's, and people, the thing I always say about Israel is for those that kind of know nothing about it, it's not just the Jews. It's hardly just the Jews. Mm-hmm. It, it really isn't. It's, it's the birthplace of pretty much every major religion. Uh, I might be exaggerating there, but, but when you, when you go there and you see the relics and you see the stories, and I remember a tour guide, you know, showing us the, you know, parts of the city where it's like, and here's where, you know, David looked down and saw, you know, uh, Bathsheba over there. And, and I was like, well, hold on a minute. You're talking about David, like King David, like the guy I'm named after, like the very one. He's like, yeah, this is where he was standing. And I'm like, what? I mean, like, I mean, even like I presume David actually existed. I don't think he's a myth or, or anything like that. But to actually know that there are spots in the city and, of mm-hmm. course, the Western Wall and the you know, the history of the the temple and all that, um, Dome of the Rock. It, I mean, just everything is just, it just blows your mind to see that they trace things back to the end. It's like you, you know, kick over a stone and you find something from, you know, 3,000 years ago. Mm, so you yeah. should go. Yeah. All Hopefully right. we'll be able to have some peace there and uh, everyone can coexist uh, nicely. Been saying that <laughs> for a long time, I'm afraid. So um, tell me about, uh, like, so we talk about uh, all the stuff going on with Trump and the building the wall and all that nonsense, but the travel ban has been, does, does that affect your world? It does Tell significantly, yeah. I mean, obviously it affects my family. So my uncle, my grandmother, none of them would be able to come here unless they qualified for a waiver of this Muslim travel ban. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would involve them having to show that they would suffer hardship if they couldn't come here. Uh, what is the, and my apologies, because I feel it's ever changing, but what is the state of it now? Because for a while he said, you know, he wanted a full ban on all Muslims until mm-hmm. until further notice or whatever. Yeah, but. that's pretty much what's going on. But <laughs> yeah, so in, in practice, that's kind of what's yeah. happening. Yeah, sadly, I mean, if when you look at the numbers, the State Department has to issue data regarding how many visas are issued or denied each year, and the numbers are staggering to see that it's basically, uh, you know minuscule to the number of visas that were granted. So roughly, the estimate is that it's about anywhere between 2% to 5.5% of visas being granted to applicants from uh, those countries subject to the Muslim travel ban. So Iran, Syria, Somalia, Yemen, and um, North Korea and Venezuela, but that doesn't really count. Mm, Um, So these individuals are basically not able to come here to join their family members. Like, let's say that you're married to uh, someone from Iran or Syria, you want to bring them over on a green card to live here with you, well, basically you can't. They're not not giving those visas. Or you wanted to come and take your kids to Disney World. You can't. Yeah. Uh, It's pretty drastic and tragic. You have to go suffer the ultimate hell, and that's you have to go to Euro Disney instead. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if that exists anymore. But but kidding aside, uh, so this is the sobering news that you have to deliver to clients. In other words, when someone comes to you and says, you know, my father is in Iran, my father is in Somalia, we'd really like to bring him home to let him see his grandchild be born or something like that. 
there's not there's not a heck of a lot you can do for them or what? Yeah, so I mean, we try our best to present all the information to show that this person really deserves to come and that they're not a danger to this country because that was presumably why this was instituted, right? Because the U.S. government wanted to check, okay, well, who are you? Are you a danger to our country or not? Can we verify your identity? I mean, it's obvious you can verify most of these people's identities. I mean, an 80-year-old man is really not going to be come here, coming here to engage in any terrorism. Um, and nor is a 30-year-old, you know, physician who's looking to come here and work, uh, you know, in a community that really needs a doctor. So, um, yeah, we, we try to present the information to the embassy, and sometimes we're able to get them a visa. Uh, and unfortunately, it's really been for life-or-death situations with tremendous amount of work and effort by an attorney to try to show that, look, this person is dying. This brother needs to come here and provide his bone marrow because he's 100% bone door no match, for example. Or um, a U.S. citizen is dying. Allow the mother to come here and be with their son before he dies. I mean, that's that's what we're dealing with, sadly. Do you ever have people who, um, you're an attorney, so you have an oath to tell the truth, typically. Uh, but do you, ever have, do, you ever, do you ever suspect people are concocting these reasons because it's the only way they can get over it? No, no. I mean, they're, they're very well documented uh, with physicians. Well, I, know, I mean, I know. I mean, the, but it, it almost, I know that you would never present an argument that was uh, sketchy, but it almost forces you to think that way. Like the only mm-hmm. way we're going to get here is if, you know, grandpa pretends he's got a kidney disease or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, I, we shouldn't laugh, right? But it's horrible. Um, so you're busy these days um, because of this, but because of just the whole immigration picture? Or? Yeah. I mean, obviously our economy is really doing well and unemployment rates are really low. And so American companies are trying to find talent from wherever they can. And so they're trying to use the different work visa categories. And it's just been really difficult uh, for them to m- manage it. And we're getting a lot of pushback from the government agencies asking for all kinds of documents to prove that this company really needs this employee or that this job is really a skilled uh, or, or advanced degree position. So, right. So, so it's a lot of pa- paperwork and bureaucracy. You've got a brilliant person from someplace else who's trying to get in here who's having trouble. And that person says, you know what? I can go work in London. I can go work, you know, certain brilliant people. I never fell into this category, but, you know. And you were mentioning to me before we started recording that that's a phenomenon now, right? Yeah, many, many countries have instituted new programs to try to attract all of the people that used to come to America. So entrepreneurs, uh, really brilliant students or scientists are now choosing to go to Canada, France, uh, the UK, Spain. They're all instituting amazing programs to provide basically green cards and citizenships because they know that people are less interested in coming to the United States. This whole thing is just sucking the fun out of that Neil Diamond song, America. Everywhere around the world, they're coming to America. That's the way it's supposed to be, people. And I heard Eddie Murphy is rebooting the movie Coming to America. You know, I hadn't even oh, thought of that. I was a fan of that. It was a great, that was it, very, well, good. It was very funny movie. Not, not necessarily, uh, you know, societally <laughs> appropriate. I was going to say politically correct, but, it, but I guess it kind of wasn't. But super funny. And you know what? I should look that up. I wonder... I just heard a rumor they're rebooting that. I wonder. If not, you should email him and tell him to start it again. Yes, Eddie, get on this. You've milked all you can out of that Trek franchise. Stop being donkey. 
and uh, be Lord Zamundo or whatever you were in, in coming to America. Actually, it would be really interesting if they kind of threw in a little bit of a serious thread mm-hmm. about our immigration policies because um, coming to America is obviously like a kind of almost a slapstick comedy, but it was also a nice story of, you know, these, these mm-hmm. kids, these, they, they came over looking not for riches. They came over looking for to meet people, and Eddie fell in love. And Mr. Soulglow lost out. Sorry, Eric LaSalle. <laughs> um, we have a few more minutes on the Boston Podcast. Aren't you lucky, listeners? Um, in a moment, we are going to play good stuff. And Moss has got a couple good things to recommend. Uh, the segment where we talk about anything we can recommend to you that might brighten your day, be it a TV show or a new restaurant or app on your phone or some stuff like that. So that's coming up next after this message from the Boston Podcast Network. Let me take a minute to tell you about them. How would you like your own podcast? We can produce one for you here, whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. In my opinion, I wrote this copy here. Uh, If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their heads, literally, and somebody give me a point for using literally uh, correctly. Thank you. Um, I want my word back. Literally means literally. It doesn't mean uh, exaggerationally or whatever. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. This is what you do. You invite impressive people onto your show like I just did. I invited Masa, and then this episode's going to post, and she's going to tell everybody about it. Right, Masa? Yes, exactly. Yes, of course, because, uh, you know, and then, then this is how it works. Then you've got people marketing your services through your awesome show. It's also a lot of fun. Go to pod617.com to start planning. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com and pod we trust. So let's go right into the segment of the show that we call Good Stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. So this is going to be a cool one because we don't talk a lot on good stuff about activities and stuff to do in places you can take your children when you're bored out of your skull and they're driving you up the wall. There happens to be one right in Masa's backyard, right, which you've been involved in for a long time. So with that with that buildup, tell us uh, what we're talking about here. Well, the Easton Children's Museum is really a fantastic hidden gem right yeah. in Easton. It's in an old firehouse, and we recently underwent some major changes in our uh, exhibits, and it's really just a, a, a fantastic place to visit. Um, Located... Uh, hop, skip, and a jump from your office. In yeah, front of right. The farmer's so daughter. when you're waiting yeah. in line for the, the farmer's, farmer's daughter, doctor, yeah. go around the corner, check out the Easton Children's Museum, and yeah. there's a couple other cute shops and nice, uh, amazing architectural buildings right in that whole area. Yeah, you can only go downtown to the Boston Children's Museum so many times, and you know if they, they're going to roll through with like the new Star Wars exhibit or the new Arthur exhibit or whatever they do, and it's great. The Boston Children's Museum is great. There's also a good one in Providence. But if you're in this area of uh, the state, and I never know what to call it because we're not South Shore, we're not. You, you have to say basically we're near the stadium where the Pats play uh, in Easton. I've been to the Easton not in a while because my kids are big now. But it's it not only is it cool and a great take and great exhibits, but it's got a cool like almost. Um, 
has a really say, cool vibe about it, it. Yeah, it's 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 what I'd call informal. A lot of the exhibits you can tell were sort of almost made from hand, you know. Um, but it's still impressive. It's still fun. The kids still dig it. Um, it's uh, it's kind of homey, is what it is. And you don't need to like take an elevator and walk, you know, uh, halfway across the building to to get to a cool exhibit. It's all this stuff kids can dress up. I remember. Yes. There's a cool thing. Oh, my favorite used to be the um, the fire <laughs> pole. No, oh, the fire pole is, is awesome. Yeah, but I was thinking of that thing where you put the marble in the chute and it rolls all the way down. Oh, some yes. such thing. Do you know? Yeah, is that yeah. still there? Yeah, that's still there. Oh, I love that. But there have been a lot of changes. Actually, you would be amazed if you go in there. Okay. David. I invite you to come by. I I would love to. And you're on the board of the Eastern yes. Children's Museum. Yes. Okay. And uh, does the museum talk about a loaded question? Does the museum appreciate donations from the oh, community? We to would keep welcome going? that very much. <laughs> yeah. So I imagine if you Google it, find, uh, Eastern Children's Museum, and just go, just go to Eastern Ch- Children's Museum, check it out. The admission is uh, much smaller than you'll pay at any other other uh, museum uh, downtown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's cool. The other good stuff thing we were going to tell you about is just the summer is approaching. Um, it's Woo-hoo. it's a, yeah I know. Thank God the um, we just here at uh, Pod Six One Seven Studios in Westwood we just purchased um, uh, an AC unit because our office didn't have one. You see this this big honking thing here, Masa? Uh. It's not on today, which uh, because it's fine in here, but. Not a moment too soon, because the other day we got up to 80, and thank God, I mean, enough rain and cold and ugh. So you like the Cape. Yes. So we, we thought we'd chat just briefly about kind of uh, favorite places on the Cape, but uh, you want to so start? So par- yeah, I'm partial to Falmouth. Uh, yeah. I love that place. It's a really beautiful downtown. It has a fantastic uh, library and different concerts and things like that on the lawn, but it also has this amazing French bakery, mm. uh, Boulangerie Villat. And they have fantastic God, is she bread. showing me up here? <laughs> of course, the immigration attorney is a perfect, perfect pronunciation. Say it again, boulangerie. Uh, yes, uh, Villat. That Villat. one, I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly. Boulangerie, but, Villat. Uh, its breads are delicious. The pastries, the croissants are really to just fight over. Uh, Vous parlez français vraiment? No. No. Oh, no quel, farci, quel, la dame. Quel dommage. <laughs> I can't do any farci, sorry. <laughs> uh, but I am impressed. Uh, so... All right, and that's in Falmouth. Yes. All right, cool. All right, points for that. So I've never been to that place, so maybe I'll check it out. My family generally hangs in the new Seabury area in uh, Papanasset. And what can I tell you about Papanasset, except if you've never been, go to uh, New Seabury, and it, the Papanasset Marketplace is just a cool place it's to bum around. Cool. You've been, right? Yes. So you can get a pizza. There's mini golf for the kids. And it's just classic Cape, Cape, Cape. Like you walk through this marketplace and it's like the shells, seashells like on the ground crunching below your feet. And and there's, uh, there's a couple cool restaurants in there. There's the raw bar, which people rave about, and go go to the raw bar and get yourself a huge honking uh, lobster roll. It, it, they are actually pretty good. They're great, right? They're probably up to like $37 each or something like that. Like It's not necessarily cheap, but bang for the buck. It's just packed. It's like very little mayo, packed with oh, delicious lobster meat. And uh, so that's mine. So that's good stuff. So I oh, can't wait for the summer. Um, 
So what else didn't we talk about, Masa? Oh, I didn't t- I didn't mention that you are involved in a couple of associations where you're a super big shot. So remind me, ALA, tell us what ALA uh, New England is. Yeah, so um, ALA, as we call it, uh, American Immigration Lawyers Association is a national bar association with over 15,000 members, and we have different chapters, and we have one of the best ones here in New England, if I may say. Mm. Um, we have over 750 members, and we you know, basically help immigration lawyers to, to make sure that they help their clients by giving them all kinds of fantastic information on a monthly basis um, at meetings. And um, I'll be the incoming chair in, in a couple of weeks, actually. Congratulations. Thank you. That's, that's so cool. Um, so uh, where can people get in touch with you, Masa, if they want to connect or they have questions about what you do? Yeah, so I have a website, as David mentioned. You could just Google my name. and I didn't tell people what the site was, I don't think. It, it's... Uh, mk-immigration.com. Yes. Which is great because I'm one of three people in the Commonwealth who can spell Masa's last name correctly. <laughs> well, if you don't believe true. me, I, I have a witness. I spelled it correctly, right? I wrote you it did. up on our whiteboard. It's Kanbabi. If, if you're interested, it's K-H-A-N-B-A-B-A-I. Um, but you don't need to know all that. Go to mk-immigration.com. Or people can find you on LinkedIn and stuff yes, like that, yeah. right? I put some of my articles on there. I actually just had an article published. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about this, David. Um, we have a new law journal. Wait, hold on a minute. Okay. Now you can tell me about <laughs> We have a new ALA Law Journal uh, cool. published through Fast Case, and we just had our inaugural issue, and I had a data report, an article in there about the Muslim travel ban, and there were oh. some other amazing articles. So, um, yeah, you could you could find me on LinkedIn, and I, I post other things like that on there. So this is what you do. Even if you don't know Masa, let me show you the power of podcasting people. You heard her on this podcast, and you think she's impressive because she is. And you go on LinkedIn and you say, hey, Masa, I know you don't know me, but I heard you on this podcast. You sound impressive. Can we grab a cup of coffee? Because I'd love to talk about what you do and maybe how we can help each other professionally. That's how you network. Do I have to do everything, people? Okay, figure it out. David knows what he's talking about. I agree. <laughs> do it. I'd be happy to meet for coffee. And she's true to her word. And and, and not only is she an awesome lawyer, but just a, a cool person to hang around. Very interesting and great networker. And you you know, you know for any uh, sort of solid I've ever done for you, you've done a ton back at Mimasa over the years. So that's um, that's about as uh, huge an endorsement as I can give. Was that okay? Thank you, David. Okay. Yes, I feel the same way. She's the coolest. Masa Kanbabi, uh, again, mk-immigrationlaw.com. Find her, Kanbabi Immigration Law. Did you have fun? I did. Thank you for having me. Cool. Um, my pleasure. We'll have you back sometime on the Boston Podcast, where we tell the stories of your city. And if you'd like to tell your own story and like to get your own podcast, That's what we do here at our Westwood studio, so just go to pod617.com for all the info. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your summer plans that you're making. And uh, on behalf of Masa Kanbabi, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston... You must be the other guy.